are the sacred collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Odlin, the host of the Sacred Collective podcast. We have a special guest today, Joey Treeb. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So I found Joey um, on TikTok, that beloved, infamous, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> social media app. And the the backstory on how I found out about TikTok was my wife, um, who's a stay at home mom told me one day like oh you got to check this app out tiktok and i was making fun of her i'm like oh that's you know she told me about snapchat and i never got snapchat she told me about pinterest i fell into the pinterest trap and i love pinterest Uh oh (laughs) it's addicting i know it's very addicting and i was like um no i don't have time for that i would rather read or watch tv or stream something i don't know and then i just got on tiktok and i it's it just I, if I don't spend like a half hour, hour per day on there, I just feel like I'm not doing something right in my life. Your life has never been the same, huh? It's, it's gradually decreased since getting on TikTok, I'm sure, huh? Yes, maybe some days yes, maybe some days no. <laughs> um, but I found you on there, and I, I don't know if it, because a lot of people that I follow, a lot of, um, I don't know, followers, I guess, that I, ha- that I follow, um, where a lot of like the deconstruction and not just that, but talking about faith and all those things. And so obviously sure. the algorithm found, found your videos, found your page. And so I just started listening and like, I'm trained in seminary myself. I don't know if you're trained in school or whatever, but like what you were talking about on like your views on like hell or what the Bible says about hell or doesn't say about hell. And I was like, Hey, I agree with this guy. This guy is like, onto something and so i like wow sent it and i forwarded it to my wife and she's like this guy's really good and then she was quite um quite excited that i'm having you on the podcast so awesome you're making an impact of what you're doing so wow that's great and then you also have uh a podcast that you started um all things reconsidered correct yes that's right we just started it um we're only on episode four right now so it's still very new um but we're really excited it's been a lot of fun yeah, podcasts are very, very fun, but they're also yeah. like another part-time job or sometimes for people, full-time jobs. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, especially because like we do uh, a video version of it as well on YouTube. And so we cut away to a lot of clips of whatever we're talking about because we, we do a lot of like laughing at, you know, evangelical culture. Like we, we do a bit where we laugh at Carmen videos because they're just really funny. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of work to put it all together, but it's fun. I listened to your last episode when you talked about Carmen, uh, oh, yeah? the witch's invitation. And yeah. after listening to your guys' episode, I literally went to YouTube and watched his video. <laughs> Isn't it wild? <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It's so, and I, re- I watched it as a kid, you know, and I'm yes, dating myself yeah. at how old I am. I'm almost 40. And so I yeah. remember watching it and I was like, I, I used to think this video was really cool and, and awesome. And I guess for when it was made, what, late eighties, early nineties, it was, cool sure but yeah you know well it's just it's just wild i mean if you watch it as a kid um i mean i did too uh but i'm only you know 28 so when i saw it i was way too young for that kind of stuff uh because you know it shows a demon dragging someone to hell through their bed so it's like yeah i wasn't scared at all going to bed after watching that (laughs) it's um 
it, it messed me up for a while, to be honest. <laughs> that that animation or whatever that green ghoul was, I was like, oh my gosh, this CGI has come such a long way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from from that point, I was like, is this supposed to be scary? Like probably when we were younger, it was, it scared us bad. But oh yeah, yeah. Now you just look at it and you're like, this is pathetic. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, and, and so honestly, is the depiction of what hell is like and how the afterlife works. All of that is pretty pathetic, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I, I also want to. I'm getting ahead of you. Sorry. No, you're totally okay with that. Um, please interrupt whenever you want. Um, one, uh, I, I have an issue with mission trips, but I went on a mission trip when I was younger um, to England, jolly old England. And I, re- I don't know why, even in. 2001 on the missions trip why and i don't know why but evangelical churches love human videos yes they do i i I don't know why but probably to this day they still do human videos yeah but we did the human video um to carmen's the champion oh nice (laughs) and i got to and i got to play jesus and then my really good friend at the time got to play um the devil and it was just so weird because me and him were in a band together and we were just like the most you know, class clown kind of kids in our youth group. And it was like, we had it and we were like presenting this in front of like kids in this small town in England. I look back mm-hmm. and I'm like, gosh, it's so cringy on every level that yes. I did this. But then I was like in this church and I don't know if you know who uh, Smith Wigglesworth was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big, big time. I, I had a lot of his books. We we studied him in Bible college and all that. Yeah. We were at his church in England. Oh, wow. Well, that we did this, and that was kind of like their claim to fame. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and so, like, I'm up on stage, like, pretending that I'm Jesus, and then my friend is the devil, and I was just like, oh, I was like, screw you, Carmen, why you made me have to do this. But, <laughs> At Smith Wigglesworth Church, he deserved better. <laughs> I, he did, he did, yeah. That's wonderful. Maybe before we jump into, you know, the TikTok and your podcast and all that stuff and jumping into that wonderful thing called hell. Yeah. If you, I kind of usually ask this of all the, um, um, of my guests, excuse me. Um, maybe just tell our listeners like your background, kind of like what kind of faith tradition you grew up in and like where you're at now, if you're cool with that. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's 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 no problem at all. Uh, so I was raised in the charismatic uh, and Pentecostal kind of movements. Um, so, you know, I was raised watching Carmen videos and 700 Club and Veggie Tales and Bible Man, all, all the good stuff, um, and went to Assemblies of God churches. So it was I was no stranger to things like speaking in tongues and like people being slain in the spirit, kind of like what you see at Benny Hinn videos, you know, where entire crowds are falling on themselves. Like all of that was second nature. It was stuff that I just grew up in, you know? Um, And I went to a Bible college right after high school. That's actually where I met my wife and uh, where I met my co-host from our show. And um, then I became a youth pastor. And in 2014, um, as a youth pastor, I stumbled upon... Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's show Cosmos. And for the first time as an adult, uh, I learned how evolution actually works. And I, it kind of led to this, this rethinking this uh oh moment of like, well, wait a second, that made sense. How do I, how do I make this make sense with what I was taught? You know, cause I, I was a creationist. I was a Bible literalist. So basically a plain sense reading of the Bible, the most simple literal way of reading it was what we had to believe. And so I didn't believe in anything scientific, you know, about evolution or anything like that. And, um, so that led that, that was the start of, 
um, trying to look into, maybe I'm reading this Bible wrong, maybe there's some things that I'm missing, and um, I started studying theology a bit more, um, and slowly over the years since then, I've reshaped a lot of my thinking. Now, I, I have some views that I think, you know, I don't want to get too schooled on this too badly because you said that you went to seminary and I did not. So you might be able to, to uh, you know, ask me some questions. I'll be tough. But I think a lot of what I'm learning is is closer towards an Eastern Orthodox kind of feel. I've learned a lot from uh, church fathers like Gregory of Nyssa um, and Origen about things like um, ultimate reconciliation. Um, and so a lot of my thinking has just been drastically changed. And um, now I guess the closest thing to describe me, and, and I say closest, but it's not perfect, but closest would be progressive Christian, although I don't really take that title on because it's not a perfect fit for me. But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm definitely not a fundamentalist, though. I know, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. I grew up as somebody's of God. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know how that differs from, uh, cause you're down South. I don't know how. Oh, well, I, I, I am now, but I actually grew up in, in North Dakota. So oh, my gosh, uh, look at that. I'm actually going to North Dakota in a few weeks. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to live in Fargo. I love that town. Oh, shut up. That's a small world. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many Midwesterners but, uh, move South. Maybe I should do that eventually. Well, the allergies are bad. I'll tell you that. Um, and, uh, you know, if you are, I don't know if you are, but if you're a little bit more on the liberal side, you'll feel out of place. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you go to that college up there that won't be named? The college up there that won't be in, named? Uh, up in North Dakota? Oh, no, no. I didn't go to a college in North Dakota. No, I, okay. I, I moved to St. Louis when I was in high school. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I went to a college, a Bible college in Alabama. Oh, okay. Wow, you've been all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've kind of been all over the place. Yeah, so I grew up in the Sundays of God. My my dad was raised like strict Lutheran, and then my mom was raised the Sundays of God in Milwaukee. And somehow they ended up here in the Twin Cities because I'm in St. Paul right now. And oh, okay. kind of born and raised here. But then I was raised in the Sundays of God, went to a Sundays of God Bible College in Minneapolis. I don't know if you've ever heard of North Central University. Uh, yeah, my uh, my sister and her husband went there, actually. Yep, that's where I went and got a degree on my wall that really do- doesn't do anything for me right now. <laughs> but that's actually where my I met my wife, um, met in college. It's kind of a cool story. Um, yeah, but I think it was for me, I, was, I started deconstructing uh, kind of like the way I was raised in my faith um, in the Pentecostal tradition. When I was in college, because I started, I've always been a person like that asks questions, like a critical engage or critical thought. And when my teachers, when my professors couldn't answer them, I was like, hmm, something's going yeah. on. You know, something's going on here. I don't know right. why you, and they weren't even like weird questions. Like one was about like, why did the Bible never really talk about Joseph? If he's Jesus's father, why did he just kind of like get up and, not be talked about and they were like well he wasn't yeah. he was an important person in the bible and i was like yeah he was like he was jesus's it's father pretty important to me yeah and i was like <laughs> it's pretty important to me like why didn't he just and they were like brian why are you asking these questions and then just all these things and then i just loved learning and didn't think i got really that good of an education and then i went to seminary 
uh, here in the Twin Cities, Bethel Seminary, and I got a Master's of Christian Art, or Master of Arts in Christian Thought, which is like the philosophy of religion. And then I wanted to go even further and I got a Doctorate of Ministry. So, all that being said, is I'm not doing anything in the ministry really <laughs> for that. <Yeah. laughs> not for a lack of trying, but it, it's kind of in. <sighs> I would say because I was in the I was in the ordination track. If you've ever heard of the denomination United Church of Christ, yes, I believe so. I don't know much about it though. Yeah, I didn't know much about it either. But while I was at seminary, I met a friend who was a UCC minister. I don't know why they went to a Baptist seminary, but they did. And then kind of fell in love with the denomination. And then when I went to do the ordination track, I was in there for like six, seven years. And then just this past summer, I just was like, you know. To hell with it. I'm not going to do it. And it's been the best, right. it's been the best thing for me and my family and kind of like my, my faith. I still have a lot of great people there that I know and that I love. But at the same time, I was just like, it was almost like they were too, too liberal or too woke for their own, own selves. Like I'm, I'm more of a progressive liberal Christian, but they got to the point where it was just like, we don't even know what we're talking about when we talk about God or Jesus and, Let's mm-hmm, just let's mm-hmm. just be sing kumbaya, and I'm like, no, I just want something more than that. And then I'm like, why am I on the signing on the dotted line to, to do this? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough enough about me. Um, no. Um, so how did you come up with the podcast and how why you wanted to do things with all things reconsidered? Well, um, basically, I've been wanting to do something on YouTube for a long time. The original plan was not exactly a podcast format. It was to do more of uh, like video essays. Um, there's a lot of YouTubers that I follow, not about religious stuff, but they make these really great video essays where it, it's just, I don't know, put together so masterfully. And it, it, so I've always wanted to do that, but I, I don't know anything about, you know, After Effects or Photoshop or, or editing, really. So it was just too hard. And so then my friend said, well, if that's too difficult, then let's just film ourselves talking. That'll be easy. <laughs> and so it, it kind of morphed into that. Uh, the, the goal has always been, so as you, you know, deconstruction is a huge thing right now for, well, for millennials, and also for Gen Z and and I'm I'm sure Gen X as well, but for mostly anyone younger than I think the boomer Christians, <laughs> um, it, it's it's a big thing where people are trying to grapple with. Um, changing or adjusting their their understanding of the Bible and of Jesus. And I think 2020 was a huge push in that because we watched as our churches um, embraced a political movement that didn't make sense for a lot of us Christians. And, it, and it, they watched as our churches ignored um, the racial tensions and instead just complained about masks. And I know personally and for a lot of people that I know, that's something that really pushed us to realizing – there's something wrong here, you know, with my church and, and that just doesn't sit right. And so my friend Brandon and I just wanted to get in the middle of this conversation about deconstructing and say, yes, deconstruct the harmful theologies, deconstruct the bad practices that our churches have been a part of. We're deconstructing panel substitution. We're deconstructing uh, the Christian evangelical gender hierarchy structures that have kept women oppressed. You know, we're, we're deconstructing mm-hmm. uh, eternal conscious torment view of hell. But we wanted to get right in the middle of that and say, all that's wonderful and you should do it, but realize you don't necessarily have to throw out your entirety of your faith 
while you do this. Now, I'm not saying anyone's deconstruction has to look exactly like mine. It's a journey everyone's on on their own, and I respect that. But Brandon and I just wanted to kind of get in there to say, here's how we're doing it as just one example that you can follow if you're interested, where we're we're leaving the bad but trying to find deeper and truer faith um, rather than just say, well, that's it for Christianity, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, so so that's our, that's been our goal. I've been really inspired by Rachel Held Evans and her book, Faith Unraveled. That book ministered deeply to me right in the middle of my deconstruction because I felt so lonely, mm-hmm. and that book really spoke to me deeply. And so that, that's been a huge kind of guiding post for me of, of like kind of like an anchor of like where I'm trying to, to be in this in the show, essentially. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, Rachel Held Evans was, I'm sure, not just to us, us two, but for so many, so influential about yes. like her journey. Like I, I've read all of her books, and I mean, I've seen her in a couple uh, events that she had here in the Twin Cities, and I was, I mean, I bawled when I heard yeah, that she man. passed away because I didn't even know she was yeah. that sick. And but just like, and I'm glad that that book spoke to you in, in the way it did, and and it helped you because I feel like there's so many people who have grown up in church or some form of church or Christianity and then something bad happens to them, trauma or whatever, which is very mm-hmm. real and very, you know, I'm never going to gloss over any, any of that. But then they, they look at it and they're like, well, I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with Jesus. And if that's their story and they want to do it, that's fine. And I think one reason I resonated with you and like your TikTok videos and then even with your podcast is I feel like, you and your co-host Brandon are kind of like, hey, you know, there are Christians that are like we can deconstruct the the bad stuff. I I like to say like punt away that bad stuff, but there's still right. there's still um, more to you know Jesus and to Christianity than exactly you know the bullshit that you see. Sorry, we can swear in this podcast as it's oh, on my fine. podcast, but <laughs> yeah, so and and, and that's with me like why it kind of resonated it, you know and i don't agree with everything you guys say which is fine but what i like it like sure. i like it how you guys are like hey this is what we view this is how we feel like maybe the scripture or where we're at but it's a breath of fresh air because so many podcasts that i've listened to you know that i've actually had to stop listening to because i'm like you guys are just so negative all the time yeah and yeah. and that's fine if you want to be negative that's great but i don't want to give my mental space that and so i really appreciate what you and your co-hosts do of kind of like and i know you're only like three episodes in but it's made an impact on me so thank you oh well that's so great to hear and and thank you for saying that and and yeah i'm glad that that's being um picked up on because that's that's been something we wanted to do is to uh not just make a podcast for the simple effort of trashing you know christian culture i mean yes we do laugh at christian culture obviously i mean you know you've seen a few episodes we we, we laugh at some stuff but that's not been the the main point um and so i'm glad that that's being picked up on yeah um so uh let's talk about this fun thing called hell um yeah let's go Let's do it. We could be here for like hours and hours. If I'm honest, sure. and one reason I think I'm so enthralled with the idea and notion of hell, and actually right now, just, you know, for kicks and giggles, I picked up Bart Ehrman's book um, about the afterlife and about heaven oh, okay. and hell. And I know he's like, like agnostic or atheistic, but he grew up evangelical like we did and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I, I'm getting, and so I've, I've looked at like, 
I want to hear all the voices out there. So I've looked at, you know, evangelical, extremely liberal Christian and atheistic. But I think one thing, like I started deconstruct, the first thing that kind of de- started my deconstruction was this concept and notion of hell. And because I'm sure you were taught the same way as me of, you know, like if you don't believe in Jesus and have a personal relationship with him, you're going to burn in hell for all of eternity. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know definitely. about you, but that literally scared the bejesus out of me. And my church did the Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame play. I don't know if they still do that. But um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh they did all this stuff. So I was always like always praying, always asking for forgiveness. I can't tell you how many times I rededicated my life to Jesus growing up. And I as I got older, it was just like something didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, Jesus is this loving father, this loving parent, but, you know, even, and and I'm a parent myself, and I think you are too, and, yeah. and, and then what even kind of exacerbated that is then when I became a father to my daughter, I was like, there's nothing that my kid can do that's going to separate me from my love for her. Yes, I might be disappointed you know, at certain actions that she did, or even if she did something horrendous and she had to go to jail, yes, Mm -hmm. I would still love her. But then so many Christians in the world are like, well, yeah, but God is the ultimate loving father and, and, and deity and God and parent. But if you don't believe in him the way we say you do, then you're going to go to hell for all of eternity. Well, you know, that, that's something that, that was an early deconstructing point for me as well. Um, and, and like you're saying, it, it's so – if any person were to do the things that we say God does, we would call that person evil. Mm-hmm. But when we uh, when we attribute these actions to God, suddenly it's it's good and it's holy because well if God did it it's holy. But here's the thing, God is goodness itself. You mm-hmm. know, He's not just a being that chooses to do good things and He could choose bad or something. He's not just a being who decides I'm gonna be good. He is goodness. So there's no shadow, there's no evil in Him at all. Um, so this idea that He would do things that to us is is wrong. It just doesn't make any sense. And then people say, well, you know, his ways are above our ways. That's that's the typical copy and pasted answer that you get when you bring this up of like, how could God do these things that seem so evil? They say, well, it's only evil in your understanding, but somehow in the mind of God, you know, it, it's good. <laughs> it's it, Which is so – I feel like when it says – that when the Bible says that his ways are above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts in Isaiah – it's not saying that his thoughts are contrary to ours in every nature. It's not saying that what we say is good, God might say is is, is evil, or what we say is evil, God's God's going to do and say it's good. It's saying that his ways are better, you know? Uh, so that's why Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so does your Father in heaven? So if to us it seems wrong, to God it seems horrendous, If you know? If to us it seems good, to God it seems you know perfect. My point is he's better, but he's not different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just doesn't make sense to me either how people can do the mental gymnastics that it takes to say God is good, he is goodness itself, he is all goodness, and there's no evil in him, but also he's perfectly okay with throwing people into hell for eternity, you know, <laughs> which is not justice. Um I think anyone would say that that's not justice. Well, not only is that not justice, but it's not loving. Exactly. I mean, 
you know, think about it this way. Um, it, let's say someone lived for 20 years and then died without having believed the right things. And so God sends them to a sentence of literal eternity in hell. It's like, I feel like justice is when the punishment fits the crime. And I don't see how an eternal sentence fits the crime of a of twenty years. You know, right? It, it just it just doesn't make sense. And if God is justice, and and if He is true goodness, then He, you know, I I don't think I would have a more moral understanding than God. Like I don't. I feel like there, we can't be preaching a God to people that is morally uh, morally. Uh, you know, less than us. You know, we we can't be preaching a god to people that that is beneath us morally, that and then expect them to follow him. It, it doesn't make sense. Absolutely, uh, we're tracking, we're tracking very well together. Um, <laughs> I and it's not just that, but and and I I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, you know, I would always ask like my parents, like, oh, how much do you love me? You know, is there anything I could do that would, you know, not make you love me? And they're like, no, no, no. Like, yes, even if you like murdered someone and had to go to jail, we would still love you. And so I always had that in my mind. It wasn't like I was tricking my parents into being like, oh, you know, are you going to love me any less? But you always, you always see, and this, this is really what made me kind of deconstruct my idea notions of hell um was that like as a parent kind of going back to that i was like i'm never going to hate my child i might hate some of the decisions she does but as any parent would i'm sure my parents or your parents probably hated some of the decisions you've done but that doesn't mean oh, you yeah. don't love them but yet mm-hmm. we're preaching and, and and so often you hear in church, well, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's nothing that you can do that would make him not love you. And you're like, oh, awesome. Great. And then it's like, however, Jesus yeah. hates sin. There's always like a however or a but. Yep. And it's like, but unless you do, you know, this mental gymnastics, like you're saying, or believe, and, and like what I would tell people, it's not that you're believing what he says in the Bible or scripture, it's believing what this said denomination believes about Jesus and says it. And then once you believe it that way, then you're in the cool group. And what really mm-hmm. got me in hot water when I started writing papers on it is I was like, well, what's eternity? Let's focus on that word. Because sure. I feel like when we look at eternity, we're like, yeah, eternity is something that is never ending. And I'm like, we as human beings, I don't think, this is kind of getting philosophical, but I don't think we as human beings really understand that word of eternity. And the, Oh, definitely not. And yeah. the magnitude of it. Because like, I've been married to my wife for almost 11 years, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, that feels like a day, and sometimes it's felt like 11 years. And at <laughs> the same time, <laughs> it's like, how do we parlay our limited understanding of time uh, here on this world and then say okay because you don't believe in jesus or you sinned or whatever then you're going to be in this place called hell for all of eternity um to me it's just a lot of it just doesn't add up and doesn't make sense yeah it's honestly pretty silly you know right when when you get down to it i mean you know morally and philosophically but then even scripturally when you start to realize that the phrase eternal punishment is only used by Jesus one time in the Mm -hmm. entirety of scripture. And it's a bad translation, you know, um, it's not a, a very strong translation of what he was actually saying. Um, and then you, you look further into, 
some of his parables where he discusses um, that all shall be seasoned with a little fire. And then you have, you know, Paul saying that basically the same idea um, that if anyone's works are built on Christ, they'll receive a reward. But if anyone's works are not built on Christ, they'll uh, be burnt up and yet still shall be saved. And I mean, those were some big verses, uh, passages for me that started opening my eyes. And then you get, um, I read Brian Zahn's book, Sinners of the Hands of a Loving God, followed right by um, That All Shall Be Saved by David Bentley Hart. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was I was thoroughly convinced. They did a good job of pointing out how in Revelation, it discusses how um, the gates to the city of New Jerusalem are never shut. Um, so... Basically, and I, I'm sure you already know this stuff, so I'm sorry if I'm. <laughs> no, no, please, please. Uh, all right. Well, well. So it, it was just it was very meaningful to me when they pointed out that um, in Revelation. Well, first of all, I had to deconstruct the whole idea that Revelation is about 21st century American politics. Like first, I had to get all that junk out. <laughs> yeah, me too. I did <laughs> so that. that. I had a, <laughs> yes. So I had to have a clean slate. I mean, I was my church always had Perry Stone over, who was always talking about you know the end times coming tomorrow, basically, and microchips oh, and this and that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I literally thought that I was going to get raptured before having to go to college. I, I mean it, like, so much so that I was slow to apply for colleges, because I was like, ah, what's the point? Perry Stone said I was going to be raptured soon. I mean, it, it's funny, but it's also pretty sad. Um, anyway, so first I, first I had to get all that junk out and have a clean slate about Revelation. And once I had a clean slate and realized what it's really about, they pointed out how uh, it describes two locations. You have New Jerusalem, and outside of the city you have the Lake of Fire, and death itself is thrown into the Lake of Fire. The beast, the false prophet, and the armies of the beast are all thrown to the Lake of Fire. But for the beast, when it says that the beast and that death is thrown in, it says that they are thrown in forever and ever. But when it says that the people are thrown into the Lake of Fire, it doesn't use that same wording for some reason. Instead, it says that they will have their part. Now, some could argue that have their part means eternal, but it seems to me to be open-ended that it doesn't have to mean eternal, especially when you keep reading and see that the gates to the city of New Jerusalem are never shut. Mm-hmm. Now, if everyone has already made up their mind of being in one of these two places, Lake of Fire and New Jerusalem, and if they are eternal destinations that you can't leave, then why not shut those gates? You know, who are they open for? Um so while they're open, it says the church is, is inside the city, continually continually yelling out to all who are, are are out of the city and saying, Come, you know, come and feast with us, come into the city, and that that there's a river of water for all who are thirsty. Anyone in the in the city, I'm sure, is not thirsty anymore. So who's that water there for? Who's thirsty? You know? So when when I started to think about this, it just made sense that that's those gates are open for the people who have gone through a time in the lake of fire, who've gone through their part of the lake of fire, essentially. That perhaps hell is more of a cleansing uh fire, a temporal fire. Um and then as I kept digging, I saw that there's even some rabbinical schools. Um, that believe the same way and have taught the same way for generations. Um, that Gehenna was was seen by many rabbinical schools as a a purgatorial like place, um, where they even said that the longest a person could be in there was um, oh, I can't think of the exact number. What was it? Twelve years, I think. I'd have to double check. But they they taught it so much that they even had an exact number of when they thought was like the maximum person could be there. Um, which I don't know where they came up with that number, but either way, my point is. 
I realized how old this idea is, that it's not some sort of new, like Oprah Winfrey idea of universalism, that it's actually ancient and that the church fathers talked about it. Um, and, and that was just mind blowing for me. Yeah, that that is quite fascinating. And I was always, and what kind of even furthered my deconstruction is when, you know, studying, I mean, I never took Greek or Hebrew, which, you know, I, I'm mad at that I didn't take that, but, and my studying on, you know, in seminary about, you know, hell, once I realized, like, when Jesus was talking about hell, because when Jesus talked about hell compared to what people in centuries after Jesus, you know, was on the scene, always differed, but, you know, and people forget, like, back in biblical times, it was a very, um, oral culture, like, you know, stories on stories and stories. And, and I mean, that's what parables were. They were like stories. But when Jesus was talking about hell, I, and this is my hot take, um, <laughs> okay. I guess pun intended, um, <laughs> was that like Gehenna was the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. It, it was where, you know, people who couldn't afford to bury their, you know, loved ones who died or a, a cattle or, you know, what livestock mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. died, that's where they went. And it was all, uh, it was always smelling. It was, you know, death and decay. There was always this right. fire that was there. And then, so then, it, then these things started flickering in my head of like, this is what Jesus was talking about held. And, and it made me, I, and then I, I took the view of like, well, is hell a, a place of eternal, you know, eternal conscious torment? Or is it like what you have said of like this, um, purifying or maybe purgatorial sense? And then mm-hmm. I, I even went further. So this is me. And I'll say this. I don't believe in a literal hell. That's just me. Um, yeah. Okay. Because I, I feel like it doesn't add, I feel like we as humans, since the teachings of Jesus have, have it's like a really bad game of telephone if you know the game telephone where it starts out yeah, with yeah. one thing and it gets there and it's it's not even anywhere close like how we talk about hell in churches or in you know universities and stuff like that it's not even if it was taught about a lot in scripture it's that it's not even remotely the same and so exactly. i i think Gehenna was what Jesus was like, you know, if you're not part of my kingdom, which my kingdom is open to everyone and any, anyone, no matter who you are or, or whatever, then, but this is what hell is like this. And I, and I feel like if there is a hell, then it's for the devil or mm-hmm. the demons, not for human beings. And, right. and, but then what's so awesome about this idea of Gehenna, maybe not awesome, but if you go there now to Jerusalem, like my best friend went over there and he went on a tour in Israel with him and his wife. And he said, like, they were like, this is where Gehenna was, what you read about in the Bible. This is Gehenna. And it's just this beautiful, fertile, um, green, you know, pasture with trees and everything growing on it. And he was just like, my friend was like, isn't this how crazy, like, this is where death and destruction, where our concept in Christianity of hell came from. And now look how wonderfully and beautiful it yeah. is. And it just, yeah, these that's th- awesome. and these things started flickering in my head of being like, what, what if, what if hell is just a scare tactic that Christianity somewhere down the road, you know, eons ago, that the church and you know theologians and pastors whether wherever started really pushing this like hey if you don't believe in Jesus 
then we're, we're, he's going to send you to hell and you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. kind of like where I'm struggling with. And and because there's so many, like you said, church fathers, like origin. I mean, mm-hmm. he believed yeah. in apocatastasis, which is pretty much like even the devil and his demons are going to be, I would say he's like the father of like universalistic thought. But when I started Basically, reading yeah. origin and some of these other church fathers, I was like, a lot of these early church fathers, which were only a number of centuries after Jesus was on the scene, most of them didn't really believe in hell. Yeah, exactly. It, we we think that you know people are so they they hold so tightly to their theology about hell because we think that we have always believed this way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the average evangelical thinks that their way of thinking about the Bible is essentially how it's always been. You know, I, I always have to tell people that. A lot of things that they believe about hell, a lot of things they believe about how to read the Bible, like how they read it so literally, you know, those are the creation of fundamentalism, which is actually only about a hundred years old. Correct. Yep. And before before the fundamentals were were sold, you know, that, that's just not how people thought about the Bible. Um, I had that mind blowing experience with the rapture, you know, mm-hmm. realizing that that's only just a, a little over a hundred years old, um, and so it's like, wait isn't it kind of self-centered of us or self-absorbed to act as if we don't need the thousands of years of church history? We don't need to consider how church fathers who shaped our, our religion thought we just have what we think now. And it's only a hundred years old, but now we got it right. Jesus is lucky to have us because <laughs> now we figured it out. I mean, it just feels so self-centered, almost as self-centered as thinking that revelation which was written to seven specific churches who were being crucified and thrown into, you know, coliseums and being martyred and was written to them to encourage them to think that that book was actually about us the whole time. I mean, how mm-hmm. self-centered of us, you know, to, that, to think that this church, these Christians who are literally being killed, <laughs> instead of having a book written for them about their situation, they got a book about, you know, microchips in 2021 or you know, 2021. It's just, it's, it's, it's a reading style of the Bible and a, and a way of forming theology where I think we are at the center of it and we make it about us at all times. And so we, we rip the Bible out of its world and out of its context and, and what the author was actually intending to say, and we plop it down in our world and think, you know, that we, we've done nothing wrong. Um, and then I'm told that I'm the one dishonoring the Bible just by trying to get back to its roots, you know, um, which is so ironic, I think. Well, yeah, and it's just crazy how how our background has aligned so much. Um yeah. But yeah, and, and I think the one thing that I learned in, even in Bible college and, and in seminary, when these were conservative institutions that I went to, was like, you have to understand the scripture and the, uh, when these books were written in this cultural context. And, exactly. And I can't tell you, you know, how many professors, I mean, they still took conservative, um, you know, understandings of it i guess um even though some of these you know professors went to harvard or yale they still had to kind of toe that school line but they were i mean i can't tell you how many times joey like people would just be like well 
I mean, everything in the Bible is literally, you know, the inspired word of God, and Jesus wrote this for us, and I was just like this facepalm and be like, this text that we're reading and we say is our holy scriptures are thousands of years old. But these teachings, most of these teachings, and I tell people, I have some issues with stuff in the scripture, well, a lot of stuff in scripture, but I said the teachings of Jesus are so transcendent because Jesus himself, I feel like in his teachings, um, it transcends time, it transcends culture, it transcends, you know, creeds and, you know, race and all that and and gender. But Mm -hmm. somehow, like you were saying, we feel that, you know, Revelation was written to, you know, America in the 20th and 21st century. And you're like, what? You know, it it makes no sense. And then, you know, like you said, like the rapture, like if I'm not mistaken, John Nelson Darby in England was Mm -hmm. the first person to ever coin that phrase like in the 1880s or something like that. But yet, yeah, you, yeah. Go to, you go to so many evangelical seminaries and churches, and they're like, the rapture and Jesus is coming back. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, it, it, where even, did you get it, that? It, it's funny. They don't even know most of the time. Or if they do know, they, they hide it. Um, but it started with a 13-year-old girl's uh, uh, claiming that she had a vision mm-hmm. at, at at someone's conference and John Nelson Darby heard about it and, and, and then it took it to America. And the funny thing is that when he did, it didn't even take off right away in America. It was originally rejected, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, but, but then eventually, um, some other guys picked it up, um, Moody and, and people like him who taught it in their Bible colleges and eventually put it in the, the Strong's, you know, Bible concordance. And, and then it got into the fundamentals and, you know the rest is history it, it's it's fascinating to kind of see how it evolved how it how it latched a hold onto so many people but now we have people whose entire idea of how this whole thing will wrap up uh th- their entire idea of that is, is more influenced by left behind it's infinitely more influenced <laughs> by books like left behind than it is the bible and the sad thing is they don't even realize that what they believe about the end times if you even still use that phrase, but what, <laughs> what they believe about it, they don't even realize that it's more so from Timothy LaHaye than it is from from the Bible. And so, if you try to point it out to them, like uh, actually, that's just in your Left Behind book. What you just said is not in the Bible. They'll look at you like like you're crazy. <laughs> but well, um, yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you ever watched the movies. And like I said, I'm dating myself, but like my grandma, rest her soul. She, when I would go visit her down in Milwaukee, she, like, if we were, like, wanting to watch a movie, she would either put Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames on as, like, a young kid for myself, or nice, she would... score. What a, I know. what a good movie night. <laughs> exactly. You know, she's like, we can make popcorn, and I'm like, you're literally trying to scare the hell out of me. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> but then, do you remember those, like, A Thief in the Night movies from, like, the 70s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my absolutely. gosh. She, she it's made, terrifying. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had nightmares probably for like a good year, but I mm-hmm. went back maybe, I don't know when, I don't know where I found it, some streaming service, and I, because there was like three of them, I think, that they made back in the 70s. Yeah, and yeah. I watched the first one over again, and I kid you not, Joey, I, I laughed. I laughed oh, yeah. the whole way through, and I was like... And I looked at it, I can remember back from when I was a kid, and like, oh my gosh, like... 
And I would, I would I would get when I was a kid those vans that would drive around where it was like it said like United or something on it, and these people would come out and they're like, "Do you have the mark of the beast?" Oh, you yep. don't, and come with us. Every time I saw a van as a kid, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's those people. They're gonna ask Dude. me, you know, for all this." And now I look at it and I'm like, "There is not a single lick of theological or biblical mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. in this entire movie." Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, again, like you've been saying, it's crazy. We definitely had the same life uh, because yeah. I, I I watch those movies too. I remember vividly um, in the third one uh, where they have a little boy who gets killed in a guillotine. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the third one literally starts with a lady getting killed in a guillotine, facing upwards like she's watching it come down mm-hmm. and then it shows this boy and he like it shows him in a jail cell and he's holding a balloon that someone gave him to try to cheer him up and then he's led away towards the guillotine and they don't show it but you hear the guillotine go down and then in the window of the jail cell you see his balloon floating away i mean it, it's just and, and i'm talking like he's like an eight-year-old kid it's just messed up stuff. And and it, it's wild to me that Christians are able to come up with such creative <laughs> ways of, of scaring people, you know, and, and torturing people. Um, I too was, was traumatized by that kind of stuff and left behind as well. Um, and the left behind books, you know, they made kids books. They turned left behind into books for children um, and made like, 80 of them like they made 40 and then did a reboot series a few years later and made another 40 (laughs) so there are somewhere out in the world there's 80 of these left behind kids books circulating um which i just feel like i I mean i'm not trying to be over dramatic and you know tell me if i am here but i feel like this can be described as child abuse when you subject your kids to this kind of stuff and then not only it's it's like okay if i showed my daughter who's not you know, ready for it. But if I showed my daughter like a a horror movie that really freaked her out, that would be really mean of me. That'd be terrible. But then to also say, Oh, by the way, this is literally going to happen maybe in your lifetime. I mean, that's just another level. Uh, it's, it's sad that that's what we had to go through, but you know, I'm glad that we're on the other side of it now and able to laugh. I think that's incredible how you said that you watched it and laughed at it. You know, that that's so powerful, I think, to look back on it now and, and laugh at the things that you used to be scared of. Um, that, that, that's awesome. And that's kind of how I felt about the concept of Lucifer as a person that I kind of laugh mm-hmm. at that now, you know? Well, and, and, the hot take that I had with God, I have to stop at these puns. I don't really mean to. <laughs> since we're talking about, they're just coming to me. I guess I should be a comedian. No, well, hey, you are a dad, right? So dad yeah, jokes are yeah. Dad jokes. Hey, so thank you. I can say dad jokes. My wife always <laughs> rolls a, her eyes when I do dad jokes. Hey, it's a it's a sacred calling it that is. dads. It is, but <laughs> my like, and I tell people well, really, because I don't believe in like a literal satan figure or devil because literally satan and you probably know this too is literally translated into the deceiver so and i'm like satan literally means in the hebrew language anyone who deceives or a deceiver so i'm like right and so like and i said an antichrist is people are like it's this real person that's gonna this deity this blah 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 you know a, a worker of the devil and and then i was like well, no, literally Antichrist is anyone who is wanting to, in my opinion, and anyone who's, you know, doing something against the teachings of Christ is an Antichrist. Exactly. 
And exactly. I, and maybe not a capital A Antichrist, but like a smaller A Antichrist, where it's like, yeah, yeah. We all fall short of doing what we're supposed to do in our life. So that is an Antichrist attitude, not saying we're Antichrists. And you say that to people, and they're like, oh, you're just being too philosophical. And I'm like, no, you're literally putting human, what is that? Um, not mm-hmm. anthropomorphizing, well, it could be, but you're, you're putting like human attributes to mm-hmm. things that are not even human. Yes, and, and you know what you're saying is scriptural. The only books, as I'm sure you know, that uh, we keep saying that to each other. I'm sure you know this, but <laughs> but it, it's still the, the only books that uh, even mention the word antichrist are First and Second John. And in it, he always describes it as a plural. He doesn't describe it as mm-hmm. one singular person. He describes it as a spirit, not a human. And, a, and it's a plural, meaning that there's multiple of them. And he even says it's among us right now and will be in the future, meaning that it's it's basically eternal. It's not it's not a living, you know, breathing person. And so that lines up with, with what you're describing. That's more of a spiritual way of being, of being anti the message of Jesus, not you know Bill Gates or someone. It's right. funny we've had the, the church has accused so many people over the years of being the antichrist, and they've riled people up into thinking this is it, this is the one, this is the time, it's all going to happen, and then it doesn't. And every time we just we look stupid, we've we've hurt people, we've lost people because we're. F- so caught up in this end of the world scenario that isn't even really biblical. I think, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what is it about us that makes us so interested, that makes us so, you know, wanting for this dramatic, violent end of the world? You know, we have the Sermon on the Mound. We have Jesus repeatedly saying, you know, that that you should pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies and to uh, not, you know, use violence, to not use a sword. We have him clearly laying out a message of forgiveness and nonviolence, and yet it's as if we're not satisfied with that. So instead, we we get riled up over this idea that no, 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 but in the end, it's really going to be violent. <laughs> you know, although he was peaceful this time, when he comes back, oh man, he's going to come with a AK forty-seven and just start killing everyone. It, it, it's that is what is antichrist. You know, mm-hmm. they they want to find the Antichrist. There it is right there. It's the idea that Jesus is going to subvert everything he taught about and about being anti-violent, about love and peace and forgiveness, and, and completely undo all of that and decide to come back entirely different with violence. I think that is being Antichrist. Oh, preach it. That we just went to church. Um, I want to say one last thing because it kind of on your comment on um, like New Jerusalem or like New Heaven. And then I want to just briefly talk about TikTok and then I want to be respectful of your time because I know you're a dad as well and all that stuff. Um, And and you're an hour ahead of me. Um, But what people and so like even well, not all evangelicals, but more conservative evangelical people will say, you know, I believe the Bible's literal, you know, it's Mm -hmm. without error, you know, all that stuff. And they think that like heaven is this you know, eternal ethereal place out there in the cosmos, which you're like, okay. But, and they, so they believe in the Bible's literal without air, but they forget to realize in Revelation, when it says Jesus is calling his church, calling the people, that he's descending. He's coming back to earth. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and, and so people are like, well, in, in like those left behind movies and, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, we're all going to like be naked spirits going up to heaven and all our clothes are going to be here on the floor and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're not even interpreting scripture correctly because Jesus says, 
next time you will see me, you know, or, or maybe um, mm-hmm. he didn't say that. Well, he did say that, but I guess the New Jerusalem is like I'm preparing a new place for you, and 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 then the scripture goes on to say like he's descending, like he's coming down to meet exactly. us. But yeah, exactly that. Somehow in translation we get it lost. Like we're gonna go up in like this really weird spirit way, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, Jesus is coming back because he created he created you know in Genesis and he's recreating again at the end. That's what all that scripture is about is creating things new exactly that that's literally the entire purpose from genesis from all the way to revelation genesis lays out this idyllic world in which in which the two realms of heaven and earth are one eden was that realm where heaven and earth were together and then sin separated them and they they lost that ability to connect to heaven so they had to create eventually in the story they had to create uh tabernacles and in the holy of holies they had that eden-like moment where heaven and earth collided once more just in that spot and then as history went on they had that in temples but then finally they get to jesus and john describes jesus as being god among us once again as being like that temple and so he's saying that what we had in that temple and in eden is now here in a person that he is heaven on earth and then jesus tells his disciples and everyone listening to pray for heaven to come to earth uh, so he's saying, now you do that. You bring heaven to earth like I have done. And uh, then the Holy Spirit descends. So the whole purpose of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. It's about heaven invading earth, not the church retreating. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, I think that if we got that in our head, we would realize our importance, the, the importance of life here on earth, of, of tending to this planet. And caring for it because you know what we're not leaving it, so we might as well take care of it. Uh, yeah, but people totally miss that. That's and so true. So true. And what you said earlier about um, Bible literalists, how how they tell you, oh no, it, it needs to be literal. The funny thing to me is that you know that's not even how people in the Bible understood Scripture. I mean. There are lots of examples that I could think of, but you know, there's one time where Peter uh, is is in it's in Acts. He's in the upper room and he's preaching to the crowd of three thousand that that formed around when the Holy Spirit uh, descended, and they are asking him what's going on, and he says, you know, we're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of what the prophets. Jeremiah said, and he quotes Jeremiah, and the verse says, you know, in my last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will prophesy. And that whole prophecy ends with the phrase, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. And he says, this has been fulfilled. Now, if those verses were literal, then we would see literal blood, fire, and vapor of smoke in the upper room. But we didn't see any of that. Nobody was bleeding or on fire. (laughs) So... If it were literal, how could Peter say that it was fulfilled? You know, but he he was able to say it was fulfilled because he understood that it's not literal, that it's apocalyptic literature, and it's not meant to be taken literally. In fact, I think it's um, Nicodemus. He's the one, right? Who says, "How can someone be born a second time?" Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. That's your Bible literalist in the Bible. Is Nicodemus saying, "Wait a second, born again?" So literally, you mean I have to be born again? I have to somehow enter my mother's womb and be born again? <laughs> And Jesus says, he, he's like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> so that's Jesus's answer, I think, to a Bible literalist. He's like, you did not get the metaphor that I was just saying. 
Exactly. So it's like we have so many evangelicals who are basically Nicodemus, who are trying to take the words of Jesus as literal as possible. And I feel like Jesus is just face palming and mm-hmm. thinking, you guys are totally missing it, just like Nicodemus did. You, you're totally missing what I'm saying. Well, and I was, we could talk about this for hours. It could be like a six hour podcast because I think we're, <laughs> we're in our sweet spot, I guess. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that it's like, I think Jesus is always doing a cosmic face palm, whoever, whatever Jesus is. And is like, I've laid this out here in scripture of what I want you to do. Love others, you know, be inclusive, you know, do these teachings. And yet we've been like, uh, well, I have to believe this dogma, right? And I have to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. go to church every Sunday, right? And I can't drink or I can't smoke and I can't watch rated R movies and I can't dance, whatever. That's what's going to get me into heaven. And Jesus is like, uh, what? Like, you're you're not, you're not, you're totally missing this message that I've given you anyway. And then, and then just to make it even worse, his, his apostles, his prophets, pastors, you know, of today are so often, uh, distracted with things that are, are ridiculous. Like we saw in 2020, all these self-proclaimed prophets completely exposing themselves as charlatans by all together claiming that Donald Trump would win re-election. And it's like we were in the middle of racial tension in fl- the, all throughout the streets. We have riots and people being killed uh, by, by police. And we have a pandemic that people are dying by the hundreds of thousands, even millions worldwide. And yet our prophets, they're not – is preaching justice for people like Brianna Taylor. They're not talking about, they're not edifying, encouraging the body of Christ while we make it through a pandemic. They're focused on Donald Trump winning re-election. And it's like that right there is exactly why people are leaving. That right there is exactly why people are fed up with evangelical Christianity. Uh, because we're, we're distracted with, with polit, with this weird political game that they want to play. And with, you know, bad theology and we're missing an actually hurting world and we're missing actually being able to help them, I think. Um, and so I agree. Jesus is cosmically <laughs> face palming. Maybe that's what the name of this episode should be. Jesus, <laughs> cosmic face palm. No, um, just real, <laughs> real quick. Um, how did you get into TikTok and just thinking like, Hmm, I need to make these videos. Cause if people don't know who are listening with TikTok. You got to talk really fast in TikTok because if I'm not mistaken, the videos are just like a like a minute. That's about yep. what you can do is a minute. So you got to yep. cram a lot of information in such a short amount of time and then like hook it. So how that that's probably something with technology that you're way better on me. Uh, once again, I'm dating myself being almost 40. <laughs> um, but how did you get into be like, OK, like this is going to be a good avenue of social media to kind of just talk what you're talking about? Well, it kind of happened accidentally, so and, and almost as a joke at first. So my friend Brandon and I were working on starting our channel, and some stuff came up in his life where he had to um, pause for like a month and a half, where where we were working, we were setting up the space, and you know buying equipment and and planning, and then he had to he was like, hey, I'm too busy with some stuff. Give me give me some time. Uh, so since he had to step away, um, I was left like for a month with like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, so I joke 
jokingly told him, I was like, well, fine, but I'm going to find something to do. And I was like, I'm going to make a TikTok. And he, he laughed and I, I was not really serious at the time. And I was like, and without you here, I don't know what I'm liable to say, you know? So, so <laughs> <laughs> don't get mad at me if I say something ridiculous and get us in trouble before we even launch our channel. Um, but then just to keep my word, I started making them and surprised you know, out of my mind to see that it, they started blowing up. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, you know, but I think it works because TikTok does reach a much younger demographic than mm-hmm. other social media platforms. And Gen Z is right in this interesting time where um, a lot of their, a lot of who they would look up to spiritually are going through some deconstructing. I mean, they have older generation that might be hardline conservative evangelical, but then they have other generations above them, X and millennial who are going through deconstruction. And I think for Gen Z, it causes this weird confusion of like, you know, kind of hard to grasp of like what's going on, where do I stand? And so getting right to that group and saying, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> well, what I'm really trying to do is encourage them to look into it and to study. And I just, I, I don't know, I guess it's working. Yeah. Cause when I looked at, uh, just how many likes you have, like the, that people had liked that, you know, the, the little the heart emoji that you have to hit is like, it's yeah. over like a million. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, yeah. And I know, you know, and that's the negative thing about social media is you're like, how many likes did I get? Oh, like, and I'm a, I'm like an Instagram person all the way through like i i, I yeah. have tiktok but i'm more of what you call a lurker <laughs> just because yeah, it's yeah. like i don't have time to like make this crafty video where i'm like i can take a cool picture or say something cool and, and but it's like oh you have this many likes or oh i didn't get that many you're like what did i do mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. I, and i appreciate you know your voice and other voices whether within deconstruction or whatever because like you're saying like and who knows? Maybe a lot of those likes are Gen Z. Maybe a lot of those likes are people who've went through college or seminary. So I just think yeah. ki- kind of like, like you said, it was kind of like a joke, but even within a joke, you've seen how many people like you've probably got thinking of, of not even saying you have to think m- my way, but yeah. thinking of like, maybe I need to reformulate my understanding of hell or maybe I need to start re- reformulating mm-hmm. my views of scripture. So kudos yeah. to you for doing that. Well, thank you. It, it, it's really been fun and, and a blessing. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of hate as well. I mean, with that million likes you pointed out, I'm sure there's you do. plenty of <laughs> plenty of hate. I had this one guy make an entire series all about me, and uh, the sad thing was. He has like triple the amount of followers than me. So he's kind of a big deal on TikTok. And he made a whole like four episode series all about how I'm an antichrist and how I'm, you know, leading people to hell. And, you know, it's not fun. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to say, oh, just let, roll that off your chest. Don't even worry about that. But like, it, it, it's not an enjoyable thing to see that kind of stuff happen. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy to be able to help someone, even if I do <laughs> get called a, a heretic from some angry fundamentalist. <laughs> hey, well, I always say this because it was taught to me that you're, when you see, tell someone the truth or when you tell someone something positive or right, you're always going to have people who dislike that or, you know, mm-hmm. say whatever. So, yes, there are going to be those people, but just keep pressing on because I do think what you're doing is is important. Uh, not just well, on TikTok, you. but your podcast. So, you know, always helping other people out, giving encouraging words is so much more easier and beneficial than saying something mean or 
yeah derogatory <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah absolutely well well thanks for the encouragement I, I seriously appreciate it and i love what you're doing too you know i, I haven't gotten to listen to i mean i think you're up to like a hundred something episodes so you know i haven't yes. listened to all of them but but I, I have gotten to to see some of your stuff and uh, you know i really like what you're doing thank you thank you yeah it's just kind of you know it started as a passion and i wanted to do like i wanted to do like a church plant and then met my producer and then we're like let's start producing and creating mm-hmm. a podcast and it was a bunch of formal disgruntled seminary friends who none of us all of us got out of seminary and we're like what do we believe now we're really confused and so then we kind of just and it started growing from there and and yeah here we are to this day yeah we've been doing it on and off for three years so it goes by quick but and and, and it's fun and when you don't have anybody um kind of oversight like within a denomination you're like i can say whatever i want <laughs> within yeah, reason yeah. so yeah. um yeah before we go um just so the listeners where can people find you if they want to watch your tiktok or listen to your podcast mm-hmm. and we can put this on the show notes too but where can they find you yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, so first of all, All Things Reconsidered is the name of our, our show. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple, um, basically all the major pot podcasting platforms um youtube is my preferred way of watching it that i suggest for people because we do cut to a lot of visuals um you know we we just did one segment on the most recent episode that came out um on monday where um we t- we laughed at some prophetic art that i found on facebook groups <laughs> and it's you know it's very funny stuff uh, <laughs> maybe i'll watch maybe i'll listen to it like on my podcast at work and then maybe i'll come back at a different day and watch it on youtube yeah that'd be that, that, that'd be great because you know you don't get the full effect without getting to see the visuals but anyway point is we're, we're on all those different platforms youtube and all this podcasting um and then also beyond all things reconsidered you can also find me on tiktok it's just my name joey treep um and my tiktoking posting has slowed down since trying to make content for youtube but i'm still there uh, so come and find me. Oh, and also follow us on Instagram. I only just recently made our Instagram page, so it, it's not uh, that followed yet. So uh, help me out, <laughs> please. And, uh, we'll do, we'll and do. We'll, tr- we'll try to make it a, a bigger thing. Well, Joey, thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully we can maybe cross paths again in the future and do this again. I've had a blast talking with you. Yeah, um, I'd love to. I'm sure we could talk about hell for like, we could do like a six part mega suit. No, I'm just kidding. Not, not yeah, let's go. How about 666 episodes? All yeah, hey, hell. there you go. I like it. Perfect number. <laughs> I will be yeah. old men by the time we're finished that. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I think we talked about a lot of great things and kudos to what you're doing. And we'll probably thanks. see you on the interweb somewhere somehow. All right. All right. All right. Have, thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. See ya. being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN.
Thank you.